Well, like awesome. here's here's a good you know, and this is for for you'll remember this, Stephen. Remember the whole stuff move, you know? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like the same thing. Remember how many times you buy a high a day break and you'd get yeah, and you'd yeah, get and it yeah. tank and you'd be like, what the hell is going on? It's the it's yeah. the same thing. It's well, it's not the same thing. It's just the opposite thing. So they're doing this. Know. So so back when back when everyone would short those high a day pushes, you know, with a set risk. Because they were always yeah. stuff and they tank. Now they're just doing the, you know, I remember the stuff move from five years ago. Now it's the exact opposite. They just run it down and then they squeeze you back up. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast. A podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast, everyone. We've got the whole team here. We've got Kim and Steven. Um, gonna get right into it today. We've got a topic that, uh, you know, it's, it's all about little victories. I kind of think of Steven and I as having a marriage now. We're, we're three years into this marriage. Thank goodness the world is more tolerant in 2020. 30, 40 years ago, Steven and I wouldn't have been socially accepted to be married at this point. But much like with your wife or some sort of significant other, you know, you fight your little battles, you appreciate your little wins here and there. And uh, Stephen reached out to me the other day with, I thought, a great topic. Um, number one, he did two things. The greatest thing he did is he spent, I believe, the entire weekend, I think he hit me up on a weekend, tracking data, okay? So he was, you know, he, he was reviewing his data, something, I mean, if you go back to the three and a half years ago to the first episode of the Steady Trade Podcast. We're going to be telling you, track your data, track your data. And here he is, even though he's having the best year of his trading career, he's spending the weekend tracking his data, looking for inefficiencies. I mean, I mean, looking for ways to improve his game. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. I mean, my favorite analogy is like the uh, NFL quarterback. You know, the NFL quarterback spends an hour on the field a day or an hour on the field a week, but it's everything they do those other six days, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day that gets them to the Super Bowl or gets them to five Super Bowls or whatever it is. And by tracking data, that's how you improve that edge, find your edge. And then number two, how you come to, you know, kind of an epiphany. And, and uh, I was pleased on this one. So Steven hit me back and he's like, listen, tracking my data, He's like, you've been lecturing me about avoiding pre-market. Now, I'm not saying never, but avoiding pre-market. And he was basically breaking it down on, on his win rate and, and how he thinks he can definitely improve his game. So really, I kind of want to give Steven a lot of the, 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 the mic, for, as they say, for this episode to kind of go over what he found because I want you guys to avoid pre-market trading. And I say it all the time. But I want Stephen to convince you too. So welcome, Kim. Welcome, Stephen. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting situation because I because I'm I'm in Dubai and because the market, like say seven thirty in Eastern time, is like three thirty in the UAE time, and because 
say what time we're recording now, midday and Eastern time is kind of close to bedtime for me in, in the UAE. And should I travel further east, it's even later. Uh, but the problem with that is I want to trade the earliest possible hours. So I was in a habit of trading the hours that were convenient for me. And I was trading a lot of pre-market because I thought, oh, maybe I can find an edge there. And for years, I thought that the hardest worker in the room makes the most money. Do you know the old saying of the man who's first in at work, first in the door in the morning, last in the door at the nighttime, is the guy who works the hardest, rises the fastest, and is the best, and does the best. Uh, but it's not true, and trading's a funny discipline, and it just goes back to the quarter and, and, and analogy that you said. It's like, it's about the stuff that you do off the field, or on the field, but often with trading. The less you do is sometimes the more you do. It's about the, the stuff that you put on outside of the game. So what hit me is I was watching a Roland Wolf DVD, who's just passed a million. I saw him, he was on a private jet with Tim Sykes uh, just a couple of weeks ago, so well done to Roland. But Roland said in his DVD, he's like, I used to trade pre-market and I used to trade after hours. I, oh, like, I didn't oh. realize that. I, didn't, I don't know if I ever yeah, knew. Yeah, no, he killed it. He said he went through his data and he found out that most of his results were so inefficient and incoherent that he was just like, I, I don't see the point in trading pre-market and after hours. It's just a burn of energy. And then you said, <laughs> I don't, there is no edge in pre-market trading. And then what happened to me is I just thought, oh, last month, what was it, June? Yep. Yeah, last month I thought I've had several $1,500 losses. Oh, I've had several $300 losses or 300 gains. That should have been $1,500 gains. But I, I, I went on a right up before I took the, the, the journey down, uh, being short too early pre-market, coming up and then dropping down. So I went back through my data and I, and I analyzed it and basically found that a good 70% of the time, it would have been better to just... Wow being at the open you've got to clear our heads uh you've got to clear our heads uh you're not pre-engaged emotionally with the trades and purely mathematical from a mathematical perspective and point of view it's probability wise better to be in at the open um but so, so before we move on i i, I want to know the how okay because you know again the listener is probably going to be you know i think this is one thing i will fault us for because I, I get these questions. We say track data, track data, track data. I mean, and you probably get it too. A lot of people are like, okay, how? Okay, it's like, it's like, okay, build a house. If you've never built a house before, you're like, okay, I don't know. You know so, so give me the, what was the process? What were you looking at? How is some, you know, if someone's trying to replicate this type thing? No, but I mean, this, I mean, look, I've, I've tracked data and I've done it in depth and I mean, I've got like YouTube videos and Excel videos. Okay, good. And All right. and awesome. specifics of, of how to, on how to track it. This wasn't such a big revelation. I mean, this, I mean, it was pretty basic. You've got to review your trades and many people don't. And that's why properly is good because you can go back through your trades. Um, and I wouldn't say review your trades. I'd say track your trades, review them and then review them again and then review them again a week later. Uh, but is people this, don't even review them once or track them. Is this on an Excel spreadsheet? You're putting in everything you've done? Or how, yeah, how are you? Uh, like when you did this, better. how did you do? Oh, Profitly. Yeah, no, I mean, better. look, I just, gotcha. I just used Profitly and I put what, what my entry is, what my exit was, how many shares I traded and I publish it. And then when I saw that I, 
as having quite big losses in in July or compared to sorry in June compared to April and May. I was to say, well, what's what's going on? What's what am I doing wrong? And we know that there's a shift in the market, right? The, there's been an influx of volume, 200, 300, 400, 500 million shares a day, where we, we previously expected a big deal would be 50, 60, 70 million. Were you not, pre- past- were you not trading pre-market in April and May? I w- yeah, I was, but there wasn't as high volume. So as more demand came in, stocks uh, r- rose more quickly. And the, the flow that I had in my strategy got further exposed to the point where I could see it better. Gotcha. But the flow, is, the flow has always been there. But uh, I, went, I went through, basically, I've got a strategy where I'll, I'll, it's very pre-market led. So I'll track stocks that gap up in the market more than 30% pre-market. So it's very pre-market driven. And then I will, I'll look for indicators that this stock on its first green day will more likely fail than will run. And if I think that it's going to fail even before the open, I would take the short in a pre-market, thinking that it will never reach this point again. Mm. Now, what happened was once you nail one, once you nail two of these pre-markets, and then see you, then you say one of them goes pre-market, you think, oh shit, fear of missing out, and it's one of the big, the big problems that we all deal with. You think, ah, God, I. I nailed that one and I missed that one. And then you start getting it into psychology that pre-market trading is effective. Uh, but when I actually went through the stats and broke down all of my trades on this specific pattern, I say I traded this pattern 15 times. I went through every single time that I, that I traded and I thought, would it have been more profitable to have not been there at the market and not traded it pre? And it worked out that about 70% of the time it would have been more profitable just not to trade the pre-market at all on that specific setup. But it's the psychology behind it that makes you feel like you're going to miss out. And you remember the wins and you don't remember the losses. You remember the good times and not the bad times. You forget the bad times because your memory doesn't want to remember them. Yep, but it leads exactly. you to trade inefficiently. Um, but even so, even if, um, even if it was 50-50 and sometimes pre-market trading works and sometimes it doesn't, pre-market trading is so dangerous Damn. that stocks, stocks can walk up on air is a good analogy that I, that I saw. Like AIHS, um, if we just look at the other Chinese stock today, what was the ticket of today's runner that fell apart at the open? Imagine you shorted that at the open compared if you tried to get a position for your market. JRJC, yeah, yeah. Yeah, JRJC. Look, that thing was rising on air. So we're just real quick, we're recording on 715, so July 15th of 2020. Ticker Stephen's talking about JRJC, went ballistic at the open and then, and then, just got completely destroyed. Probably ends up closing on the low of the day, but sorry. I just wanted wow. so they knew. Yep. So, wow. but, um, but I mean, just for example, like GLGC or AIHS, it's very egotistical. It caters to the ego to try and catch the top free market. But you, you can end up shorting 830, adding 845, adding 9, adding 915. And before you know it, you're at the open and you think, I only want a quarter size or a third size. You're in double the size that you're meant to be at the open. And you're sitting, head in hands, glass of wine. Please don't rip out the open. <laughs> Please don't pop out the open because my account is going to take a dent. And that's, you know, and that's always been my biggest point with you because, you know, again, if this is your first episode of the Steady Trade Podcast, I mean, Stephen is, you know, 75% short biased. And, I mean, it's so tempting to see stuff like JRJC. And, and here's the thing. This is what I love about JRJC. 
this episode will probably come out in a week or two. I'm willing to bet. I mean, drop us a comment. I'm willing to bet, you know, each of you listeners like 25 cents. You know, I, 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 I don't want to pay out too much. Maybe, maybe a penny. We got a lot of viewers. I mean, JRJC will probably be 80% lower than it was today. But that doesn't help you when you short it at 8 a.m. and it doubles. I mean, literally doubles. Went from 18 to 34 in a matter of minutes. So even if you have a good win rate, I mean, you could have a winning 70% win rate. But when it goes bad, it goes so bad that vice versa, had you waited on JRJC till it, you know, midday, roughly 10, 30, 11 a.m., it breaks support at $25, it breaks VWAP, and it's currently eight bucks a share lower right now. So, I mean, it's a great example. You would have gotten destroyed in pre, but if you can wait for the thing to fade and gap down, and it's a sketchy Chinese finance play, I mean, it's a so- Still scary though, eh? I mean, I mean, the, the, it was a hundred. It was. Can I tell you? At all, most brokers, nearly all of them, it was a hundred dollars for a hundred shares to borrow. <laughs> what which, is, really? which isn't bad, you know. Which isn't bad because if you take a hundred shares and you get ten percent, it's twenty six hundred profit. So it's it's bad, but it's good. But uh, the other thing about pre market trading is what what with trading you need to risk off levels with volume. Yes. And what level are you really going to probably risk at? pre-market you can't really risk it pre-market level because there's not enough volume and and the other thing with this as well and it's it's something really that i've started looking into which i haven't looked into much in the past is how much of the stock is institutionally owned and how much of the float in the stock is privately owned because mm. with the likes of weenie you saw wimi 25 million floats it should be trading pretty thick that is so highly institutionally owned and 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 owned by insiders, that's actually a 2 million float. So you've got all these traders thinking, ah, look, light volume, it's high float, short. What, what do they do after hours, pre-market hours, after hours? What do they do? They just ramp it up. Same with EQ, they ramped it up to 30 in the after hours. You've got to be so, so, so careful because it's, it's often, it's not, it's not retailers versus, it's not shorts versus longs, and this is Tim Brittani quote, it's not shorts versus longs, it's, it's retailers versus the companies and institutions and hedge funds that can manipulate these stocks so much more. And the, the best thing that they can do it is when it's in the later trading pre-market and after hours. Isn't that what Jane Galina said about the, didn't she speak to that a little bit in that interview we did with her about the, those, the hedge funds and the yeah, institutional players? No. Yeah, she was saying, follow, follow the dark pools. Okay. Did you say follow the dark pools? I, I just thought the big so. money goes, you follow. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's true. If you, you can follow the dark pools to try and piggyback the momentum. But but this is more institutions and hedge funds and companies taking advantage of late volume just pushing it up. Um, I, mean, that, that's been, I mean, that's been my conspiracy theory going back to 20. You know, when, when I saw the big change was 2015 where – these just low floaters where, 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 you know, for the first 10 years of my career, these things would spike and fade, spike and fade. And then all of a sudden in 2015, volume went through the roof. You'd see that spike, that pull, and then that, that re-break and that re-break. And I just think, and I have, this is strictly my, you know, Bigfoot theory, but it's just like, I think whether it's a boutique hedge fund or algos yeah. or whatever, they start, they run these things up, then they sell them off 
and they wait for people, you know, and they, you know, they, they know what people are going to do. They're going to short into that move and then they rip them back to the upside. Just like a W I mean, W I M I is just, it's a joke. You know, it's like, it's like, but yeah. you've, we've seen that a million, especially on a Friday afternoon. It's just like, I mean, it's like, how many times is this going to repeat? EQ was the same thing, you know? Yeah. But, Steve, but I just, so Steven, here's a question for you. The thing you said at the beginning that was so fascinating was you realized you were trying to trade at a time of day that was convenient for you. So, so like, what do you do now? Like if it, this other, if this pattern is not going to serve like your time frame, like with work and everything, like, so what, how do you, what are you going to do now? I just watch friends pre-market. Okay, good. <laughs> no joke. I watch friends pre-market <laughs> and, uh, because if I look at the screen, I get tempted to make mistakes. So I do everything in me power to not look at the screen. And then uh, instead of doing research, because I was chomping at the bed, I'd be getting on to, to do research at 7, like 7 a.m. Eastern. Wow. And now I won't start doing the research until 8.30. I mean, if it's a really busy day, I'll do it. I have to force myself to do less work and be more better productive and more focused in the, in the more important hours. Um, Did you start I mean, I this if- week? Did you start this week to try to do it different? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really I'm disappointed I missed the Chinese ticket today. I was too... I was just too scared. I was too scared to take it. But uh, but yeah, I'm all right. But it was more the fact that you'll get yourself in trouble. When you shorten pre-market, the volume can move up. Unexpected things can happen. You don't have proper risk levels to risk off. And on top of that, the probability is just not there, ultimately. Um, you, it, there's just no point. There's not much point doing it, honestly. And you're spending more time doing something you don't really need to do. I like that too. You know, it's like, listen, so, you know, one, one thing I do and I teach is, you know, I tell her, you know, again, it works for me because I'm in Eastern time zone, but I like the idea of getting up early, doing, you know, running your watch list, looking the news, getting ready. But then something that I talk about all the time is, you know, then go for a walk, you know, or, or yeah. go to the gym, you know, spend that 8am to 9am hour resetting after you've done your watches, you've done your research, you've read all the overnight news, you know, what's going on in the world. You saw Goldman Sachs blew out earnings markets gapping up. You see the latest virus numbers. You got all that in your brain. Then go walk the freaking dog, go get a coffee, go whatever. And then you're not burnt. You know, in, it's like, I don't know. It's just, I'm not saying it's wasted time, but it's like, take that time to do something else, decompress, then come back and attack at the open. You know? It sounds like an integration time you're suggesting. Fair enough. I like that. Yep. So it's like integrating all that you've just absorbed and read and noticed, and then you're allowing it to kind of seep in, digest, and then it becomes the lens in which you look at the day, look at the day through. Well said, you know, just like, again, I know I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to increase my writing output, but you know, they tell you that, you know, you know, do, do that writing and then, you know, and then come up the next morning and reread it. And it's like, you know, cause your brain's working, even though you're not sitting there staring at a chart, your brain's still working and, and you're thinking yeah. about all these things, you know, you're thinking, okay, last time this one spiked, you know, and, and even though it's not in the front of your mind, it's in the back of your mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, so here's a question as a person who lives in a weird time zone, <laughs> you know, Hawaii time zone is six hours behind East coast time and five hours behind because we don't do daylight savings time. So, you know, we have these two time zones. So perhaps Hawaii, but perhaps just 
California time or people are going to live in different time zones, probably internationally too, right? We're going to have, we have viewers that are international. So how do people navigate that? Let's just take Hawaii because that's where I am. So like how, how would I want to potentially create, okay, this is going to be, you know, I can't get up at two 30 in the morning. So how do I work with, you know, well, what I would tell you, especially as a newer trader, is I'm jealous because I mean, what time is it right now? Uh, now it's about seven a.m. Okay, so so yeah. you know, and it's one p.m. Eastern time. So I mean, the number one pattern I go on and on and on about is these afternoon breakouts. And to me, uh, I think you know, especially as a newer trader like you, you could get up at six a.m., which is mm-hmm. noon. You could look at the biggest gainers. You could run a scan, see which ones are hugging VWAP, which ones have unusual volume, which ones are ready. And then you're just looking for those moves into that 1 p.m., 2 p.m. window. So I think it would be ideal to me. Now you got to manage it with your job and stuff like that. Sure. But I think, I mean, listen, I I would, first of all, I'd love to move to Hawaii for the weather. I would love to move to Hawaii because they don't observe daylight savings time, which may be the dumbest invention in the history of mankind. But to me, it would be ideal because, you know, you could trade these afternoon breakouts that are so consistent now. Now the market might ultimately change, but for three years now, these afternoon high volume stocks, you know, that are low, that are float rotating, they're in a hot sector. I mean, WIMI was one. EQ was one on Monday, VXRT yesterday, BE is getting ready to do it today. So that, you know, I think it would be ideal. Now, ultimately the market will shift. I used to be way more morning focused, but, um, but I don't know, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you, you, if if, if you, you know, I I mean, if it's like, if this is really your thing, I mean, I know people that trade the U.S. markets from Australia, and they're basically 12. I mean, they're trading it. You know, the market's opening at like 11 o'clock. At, it's opening at like 11 o'clock at night, you know, yeah. and they're trading through the night. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So I did, I did a night shift once at a hotel when I was the front office manager with the auditors, and I, they lived that way. And I remember like doing it with him for a couple of nights. And I was like, I cannot do I cannot be a night auditor. Like I cannot do but like some people can I think some people he was he loved it. He had his morning. He loved, you know, working that night shift, but you got to find out what you, you can do. So Stephen, so what are you going to do now? Like now that you this has been your habit? Am I right for three years? Or is it more than that? No, no, but it, I mean, it's, but I mean, just first thing about your time zone, I just wanted to add that um, the best thing about if you're up at 7.38, you can take the trades at 1, 2, 31, 1, 32 p.m. when you get the confirmation that the move's about to happen, put your stop in, and then come back at the end of the day when you finish work or check out lunchtime and think, did that stock break out? Because if it's, if it's broke out in after hours, it's probably going to be quite high and you can just sell it. Um, and it either worked or it didn't, and that's the beauty of it. You could just spend 15 minutes every day thinking, all right, these look like good setups, put the stops in, check it at lunch, and I'll sell it if it worked, and if I get stopped, I get stopped. And, I mean, that's 15 minutes a day, and if you know what you're doing, it's, a, it's the best-paying job you've ever had on a minute-by-hour basis. Um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. But, uh, but for me, it, nothing really changes. Like, I would always sit from... I used to sit from like 7.30 till midday and sometimes I'll check the afternoon, sometimes I won't. 
Um, but now I'll just sit from 8.30. So I just, I just take an hour out of the day and I'll meditate. I'll go for a run. And I'll, I'll like speak to friends. I'll, I'll have some, something else to do. I, I just cut, I, I cut a bit of the time out of the day. I just go and take the trades. Or I'll just watch. I'll just yeah. watch. And yeah. be and like really not take the trades. Um, and if I do like really be in mind having a, a tight, tight stop out, you know what I mean? Were you, were you shocked when you saw it was 70%? Um, no, it wasn't a surprise that it was early on only shorts. It's something that I knew, but I didn't want to admit mm. because I was consistently down 300 before I made 700. And then if I went down 500, I just cut it. And then sometimes it would be more like I'd go down 800 before making like 2000 if I, or 1800 if I played more size. Or sometimes I'd go down 800 to make 800. And every time I knew, I was just like, there's something, there's, I've got fear of missing out here. And if I just short all of these at the open, instead of being up, down, eight, up, up, down 800, then up 800, I'm just up 1600 without the worry. And then I can, and then once the probabilities of it, I can take more size. And then that 1600 is not only 1600 because I got both sides, it's also 3,200 3, because I doubled the position because I'm not going down as much. So I just realized that it's better to be safer. And then once you get the safeness, you can add the size. You, you can't be going down 700 on a trade before you go up 700. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, even Wimmy blew up a lot of accounts there. No, AQ blew up. I mean, and the other thing you can't do is in this market, you can't add the stocks that squeeze. Yeah. Sometimes when stocks squeeze, they go back down. Mm. You cannot add the stocks that squeeze. I was in Voxel. I was in Voxel. I just couldn't have VWAP. Okay. I squeezed like another an oh, hour really? in Voxel today. You want to check it? Um, yeah, yeah. I knew I was I'd moving. I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that because Voxel may... It's up two days in a row. Generally, it's not up more than one. It's breaking the high day right here into the two p.m. window. By the way, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's so, three. It's it's so so it's it went red to green at eleven a.m. Okay, it held around. I, two, I, I cut it. I, I cut it at BWAP into that push. Beaut, nice, nice, beautiful. Yeah. And so it's holding two fifty, and it's it's spiking right now. Volumes coming in. It's two cents off of the high day right now. So that being said, let's see what Boxel does. Look at Boxel on July 15th, too, because, I, I mean, this is the setup. It's traded 40, 49 million shares, you know, on but, dubious news, but it's just. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, do you know how you get the, you get the blow-off top volume? It's, I think, well, not anymore because it's traded so much volume now, but it looked like blow-off top volume on the previous day. But you also had the massive, it, it didn't hold its highs at all, and it never runs three days or two days. So when it has that big wick on the daily and it's, and it's a first red day, I'm like, all right, first red day. I mean, I made 80 bucks on it on this trade, but um, you could have lost. The, the market just doesn't work. First red days don't work anymore. A lot of people have that as well. First red days don't work anymore. Yeah, I, I, my, my favorite saying lately is I'm, I say this constantly in webinars. I'm just like, nothing dies. I'm like, I'm like you're, no. listen, you can try first red days, but man, it's, don't worry. It's, Not, it's, never, never, <laughs> never, ever. Like they used to be 80% successful. Now they're like 99% not. <laughs> See, and I think, I you know, again, back to my, back to my conspiracy theory. I just, I think somebody, you know, whether it be, you know, aliens, Bigfoot or, you know, JFK, you know, they, they look at these big runners, they let them go red and then they just run them, man. And, and that's where I think when you got these big runners in a hot sector, volume, news, all these things we talk about, 
trade the trade the red to green. You know, at least at least the beauty of a red to green, like on Boxel, if you bought the red to green, you're in it like 190. You stop out at the low of the day, you're out at 170. You're risking 20 cents a share, and it just hit a new high a day right now. You you know, you got 60, 70, 80 cents upside to risk 20 cents. So, yeah, but do you think that because these patterns are absolutely identical? Like, uh, the, I've been watching these patterns since the market's changed. Uh, I've seen the same intraday pattern constantly. So, for example, any stock that, uh, say, it washes out the open or it spikes out the open, but it drops below VWAP, any stock that pushes above VWAP and dips below VWAP and then reclaims VWAP, 99% of them rip. And like, say, 9.45.10. Um, is human emotion identical every single time? Or are market makers and they thinking this is a bloody brilliant way to manipulate people and we're going to do it again and again and again until it stops working? Yep. Which, which do you think it is? I think it's, I think it's them, you know? Yeah, it has to be. (laughs) It's, it's the, it's the, it's the guys in the cigar filled room, you know, (laughs) that's, that's my opinion is they're just, they, they, they recognize this. And again, I'm not saying I'm as smart as some algo or hedge fund. They recognize the same thing I did in 2015. I'm like, I was, I was 90% short bias from 2007 to 2015, 2015. I'm like, this just, doesn't work like it used to and i'm like i keep getting tricked i keep getting tricked (laughs) on this shit and i'm like finally i'm like i'm done i'm flipping the other side you know so but but the market makers game is how can we absorb as many shorts well like here's here's a good you know and this is for for you you'll remember this steven remember the whole stuff move you know yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's like the same thing. Remember how many times you'd buy a high a day break and you'd get yeah, and you'd yeah, get and it yeah. tank and you'd be like, "What the hell is going on?" It's the it's yeah. the same thing. It's well, it's not the same thing. It's just the opposite thing. So they're doing this. So so back when back when everyone would short those high a day pushes, you know, with a set risk because they would always yeah. stuff and they tank. Now they're just doing the you know. I remember the stuff move from five years ago now it's the exact opposite they just run it down and then they squeeze you back up and it'll probably yeah. three years from now it'll probably reverse again so yeah, but I, I think the stuff move maybe i'm less affected by it so but i think the stuff move move was less deceitful like fair <laughs> enough like they just they're like they let it push up and then they short it with a load of volume but it's not as deceitful and nasty as the tricks that they're playing now. And maybe you're, I'm more. You're, you're only saying that because because you, <laughs> you're short bias and you, they keep smoking your ass. <laughs> like honestly, like thank thank God I've got some some decent discipline these yes. days because. Yes. If you don't have discipline in this market, oh well, my God. This is my question for you. How do you, you know? So you're having your greatest year so far. How do you think? Steven from three years ago would be doing right now. Worst year ever. <laughs> I, and I agree. I agree. Uh, you have to. The, the mark, the, this market, this market, honestly, right now, this month has arguably never been harder for Schultz. I would say, like, the, like I'm, I'm up, just, I'm, I'm up about four grand this month, and it's a bloody miracle because <laughs> every stock is against us. Every stock is against us, and I'm like, cut, 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 cut. Thank God that one works. Like See, that's, that's how it basically is right now. 
and this is my, you know, again, I know I'm the dinosaur here, but see, that's what it was like in 2007, 2008, 2009 for the longs, man. It was like, if you, if you went long penny stocks back then, anyone that had a clue was like, you're an idiot. You know, it's like, what do you, you know, and, and it's, it's that, it's just the exact opposite is of it was a decade ago. And then, you know, I always think of the market as a big wheel. You know, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast in, you know, 2025, you'll probably be like, oh, it's the greatest time ever for short selling. You know, it's just things just it's I compare it to fashion. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, nice. you know, five years from now, bell bottoms will be back in style. You know, five years from now, this will this will probably get me canceled. But cargo shorts will be back in style. Not that cargo shorts ever yeah, were in style. That, that's worth being car- canceled for. <laughs> I think the abomination of cargo. Unless, unless I, I you have Magnum PI legs. Fair. Well, no, cargo shorts are the long ones with all the pockets, man. Oh, that's true. But they also kind of are bulky, and you know he's in shape, so he can get he can get away with anything, Magnum PI. Yeah, I, 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 the only thing that makes me angrier than daylight savings time is cargo shorts. But you know. <laughs> they're pretty. They're pretty hard. Can I, can I just <laughs> ask one other question? Yep. Um. When do you think the madness of this volume and this influx of new invest, investors, <laughs> traders, <laughs> Robin Hooders, um, when do you think it's going to end or will it never end? Is this the new norm? My, actually, it's funny. I talked about this today on a webinar. Um, so I'll very quickly review because we talk about this a lot. Biggest things that changed in the last couple of years, Bitcoin. Bitcoin going to 20 grand. You know, I tell this story all the time about being in New York City in December 2017, and everyone, I mean, everyone was talking Bitcoin. That brought so many people to that trader mindset, okay? I'm going to try and go fast. Bitcoin. Then we get commission-free trading at basically every broker. Not everyone, but 90%. Then we get a stay-at-home order. Then we get no sports, okay? And... I'm a huge fanboy. I know he's, again, speaking of controversial. I mean, I'm a huge fanboy of Dave Portnoy. Okay, this guy is a professional gambler. Okay, that's what he did. Professional sports gambling. He built an empire on professional sports gambling. Sports go away. He goes into day trading. And I tell you what, if you watch his videos, that guy ain't ever going back to sports betting. This is my prediction for 2020. It's in his blood. I mean, he, if you guys think I rant like a lunatic, you watch his videos about day trading, it's in him. And I don't think he's going back to sports betting. So I think those are the, those are the biggest things. People are stuck at home, Bitcoin, free commissions. Again, whether they're right or wrong, there's no Mm -hmm. sports betting right now. I mean, there's some. And so that's the long answer. Short answer is I think this is the new normal. I mean, you got a supercomputer in your pocket. You can do everything from here, from anywhere. 5G's coming. 4G is already fast enough. So that's my opinion, Stephen. Now, at some point, it will change. But but you know what? You know what years I think from now, ten years from now, I don't know. So, but I honestly, just think, thank God. I mean, you've got more years than me, but I think, thank God, I've got four years on all them. Thank God. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. They've got four years of mistakes out of them. And that's, that's the oh, 5% yeah. that make it. I've got four years on the 5% that make it. Well, listen, <laughs> d- listen, WIMI, w- okay? I made like a dollar a share on that thing and it spiked $20 a share more, okay? But then the next day it cratered. 
And I agree. Yeah, yeah. Why did I take a dollar I, a share? Because I know what that freaking thing is. Okay. Yeah, so you're yeah. right. That, that I'm, I'm, that's why I'm so excited. That's why I don't get all these. I mean, there's all these old bitter day traders that like piss and moan about all the Robin Hooders. I'm like, mm-hmm. why, man? Why? I'm like, bring them on in, man. More. Give me more. Send more stimulus checks. You know, get freaking do more. Bring more of them in, you know? Yeah, it, it has unsettled the market though. And, and once you get used to a certain way of trading and you get used to certain patterns behaving in certain ways. That's it. That's like you, it. Have, you have to adjust to something new, I guess. And I've had to adjust to something new. It doesn't mean that you go from a winning trader to a loser, losing trader. You just get knocked off your game and come back on a little bit. But I mean, well, some ten, of them are threatened. Just... Some of them are threatened because they have been, the, you know, the only, the only baller in the room. And now they're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of other people. They, they don't get uh, to, you know, have that same sense of that they're unique. You know, all, all the noobs will just blow up. Though, like all, it, like, all the noobs are just going to put they money will. in the market and blow up. They will, um, no doubt. Unless they watch this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and listen to Steve Johnson and Tim Bones' wisdom. And Kim Ann Curtin's. Well, thank you. <laughs> you can you can plug yourself. This is this is 2020, man. You got to promote yourself. That's what it's all about. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Look what I did. I, I promoted myself, and I was a rubbish losing trader for years, and I still managed <laughs> to get somebody. <laughs> yeah, but you always were honest with people, Stephen. I mean, you were promoting yourself, and the difficulty you were having, and even when you were, you know, having these kind of hiccups from just being kind of like thinking, oh, it's okay, it's no big deal. And then it was a big deal. You never hit those big deals. You were like, holy shit, this really happened. And I made a mistake. Like, I think that's part of what endeared everybody to you because you were honest about how hard it was and how disciplined you had to be. And that that asks a lot. I mean, most people aren't encouraged in today's kind of culture and environment to be super disciplined. It's not encouraged. It's not rewarded you know and yet you spoke about it over and over again that's why you probably are disciplined now because you kept um, i'm you know doing a lot better like doing a lot better but um but I, I i have to say the amount of accounts that are blown up daily that you will not hear about people love to talk about a lot of wins they don't love to talk about losses the amount of accounts blown up on a daily basis right now will be un- unprecedented highs now speaking to the opposite of that building accounts kim when we when are we doing an episode saying my first trade? Because <laughs> Tim, Tim, I give Tim a huge amount of credit. Um, all of the episodes in the podcast, being able to ask him any question that I want, all of the stuff that trade pro, and all of the mental advice in terms of fitness and gym and mindset, uh, he's very responsible for a lot of me growth. Now you've got double trouble, double power, double trouble. Hello. You now you have us, and you're the next one in the family to to grow. <laughs> When Stephen, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I'm here. When she, the teachers I have appeared, the teachers are appearing. Well, but I, when you're I'm ready to put real money on the time line, right, unlike right. Stephen, I'm not trying to get you to short Boxel that just hit new high day <laughs> or short Gene. Okay, G E N E is the absolute worst stock in the universe. <laughs> And it's about to re-break out into the 2 p.m. window. I'm not trying to lead you into slaughter. So, so well, yes. I, I have hope now because I have been thinking because of the time difference that I wasn't going to be able to like really oh, no. do this. So I that, 
So hearing this today is, you know, encouraging me like, okay, I got to, I got to No, you got to make it work for your work schedule too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But geez, I think, you know, again, if, 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 if for a new trader, if you were doing like noon to four Eastern, I think that'd be ideal, which for you is what, you know, six to 10 or whatever. And yeah, then yeah. you can see your clients after 10 a.m. or whatever. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. I, I, so I, you know, because I do some East Coast clients and Middle East clients, like, so what would I do by way? Like, couldn't I do this two or three days a week? I don't have to do it <laughs> yeah, five yeah. days a week, right? As long as, as long as you're disciplined and focus on one or two setups, you know, that's the biggest thing that I see people screw up is, they get a day, okay, and then they're just determined to trade something no matter what, and then yeah. their win rate sucks because they're like, oh, well, I'm here. I got to trade something, but, you know, if you're disciplined enough, you know, again, to look at whether it be some of my patterns or Steven's patterns or Sykes's patterns or Roland Wolf's patterns, if you're disciplined enough to focus on that and say, yeah. okay, it's not there, I'm going out I'm for a walk. Not or, um, yeah, or, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's the biggest think- thing I see newbies screw up. That's that's the biggest yeah. challenge to part-time traders is yeah. they get a day off and they're like, damn it, I'm going to trade something. No matter what. Yeah, yeah, no matter what. That makes they- sense. So, that makes sense. But it's, but it's also just new traders in general because like I remember Tim Sykes tying me up in Italy. He was like, I is an over trader, I is an over trader. And I was, I was finding it funny because like I've traded more stocks now than I did then probably. But the, the message behind it and the truth behind it is that if you don't know what you're doing, you probably shouldn't be trading many stocks. You yeah, but I would say this. One. I would say this. You can, I think, I think you'll agree. Oh. You're trading more oh. now, but you're only oh, trading. Oh, Tim froze. Okay. Oh, so we're still, you're still there, Stuart. I thought maybe it was I froze. I just okay. panicked because he looks like a tiger <laughs> or a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, we, you just got completely cut off. Am I back? Yes, you're okay. back. Oh, yeah. but you, were, right. you, were, you were gone. You started to say something, you got cut off. So I, please. If, I probably like screamed so much, my computer probably froze. Off. Off. But I would, my point I was trying to say, Stephen, is yes, I think you're trading more now. But you're only trading, what, one freaking setup, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty well, yeah, two and one doesn't win. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I think that's that's the difference. So, first uh, thing, no, but the the reason I trade more is because I, I'm scaling in and out way more. I think that's probably the difference. It's uh, it's very very I'm much better at building into an average and getting a good average, and then and then scaling in and scaling out and trading around a core bit, which is a bit more advanced stuff. I guess it's a bit more difficult to do. Well, uh, I think well, I think we we kind of wrapped it up. You know, the biggest things I want you to to the listener, I want you to focus on. First of all, thank you, Kim. Thank you, Stephen. You know, number one, track that data, okay? And and as Stephen said, you can check out his YouTube. There's, I mean, there's there's a there's a great post. It's like eight years old by Michael Good. Um, you know, Michael Good, friend of the podcast, a friend of mine. I've known him. I got started learning from him. You know, fifteen years ago. Just you can go to search like Michael Good, track your trades. He's got a spreadsheet there. There's a lot of great resources out there. And, but the biggest thing is, like Steven said, you got to actually do it. I mean, I mean, that's where people, I think, and and, hey, when I got started, I would half-ass it too. Because when you got six losers and Gene just hit a new high day, of course, 
at 1.30 p.m. Anyway, um, track it, track it, review it, review it, and, you know, take it seriously. I think that uh, that's how you spot something like, like Stephen found. And, uh, and the last thing I would say is just, you know, if you're new, I know it's hard to fight the FOMO, but avoid pre-market, avoid after hours. This is, and I'll close with this statement. You can write this one down as a listener. I say this constantly in, in, in uh, pro webinars. I know a boatload of day traders, okay? I'm very well-connected in the day trader world. Veterans, okay? Veterans, newbies, intermediates. I know no trader, no, none that are consistently profitable in pre-market or after hours. You win here, you win there, you lose here, you lose there. Nobody I know is like, I'm the pre-market man or I'm the after hours man. And my thing that this is what I always say is, do you think you're going to be the one? Okay, maybe you will be the greatest pre-market trader ever, but odds are no. You know, it's just, I say avoid it, learn from Steven, etc. And I just say one thing that you should say, but I'm going to remember that you didn't say it, then I'll say it. And it's the actual. Is, close, is, that, a, is, that, a, is that an enigma wrapped in a riddle? <laughs> it's the close of all closes, and you're going to totally regret that you didn't think about it. But I know you because I've known you for so long. Fire away. Beginners open the market, professionals close the market. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Perfect ending. <laughs>